How's it going out there, fans of the Bean Holes, podcast enthusiasts, or if you've never heard us before, welcome. Before we get on to the show, just wanted to give a quick plug to Audible. Now, I know everybody and their mother has an Audible trial, but if you've never signed up for one, or if you have and you want to try it again, now is your chance. If you go to audibletrial.com slash beanholes, you get a free 30-day trial of the Audible service. Now, if you don't even know what Audible is, it's audiobook. So it's kind of like podcasts, but it's an entire story. So you get 30 days. You get to try out all you want on Audible. Uh, if you cancel your service after the before the 30 days, it's no problem. You do not get charged. But guess what? Even if you cancel before the 30 days, you get to pick out a free audiobook to keep for yourself. So you can listen to it whenever you want. And, you know, you still don't have to continue on. And if you like the service, hey, stay on. It's not that bad. Uh, Audible's really great. It's like, it's like your one-stop shop for... Uh, audiobooks. Um, if you're listening to podcasts, you're already ready to listen to an audiobook. You just gotta, you know, pay attention more to the story. But I know that they just added the entire Harry Potter series out there. So if you're a, a Potter geek or if you like wrestling, uh, they do have uh, Daniel Bryan's new book and Chris Jericho's new book. And, and so they put all that stuff on there. Just at least go to audibletrial.com slash beanholes and check it out. You might like it. And um, yeah, we're wrapping up our uh, Batman v Superman month in the in the coming weeks. Um, just wanted to give a quick update. In April, we're gonna try to uh, stay away from comic books just just for a month because then in May we are going to do a Civil War month. We're going to be looking at some characters uh, debuting in Civil War, looking at their pasts and comic books and any appearances they've made. And we'll even look at the Civil War story arc from the comics. So that's coming up in May. So audibletrial.com slash beanholes. Keep listening to our Batman v Superman month and then get ready for Civil War month in May and enjoy all the other uh, stuff that we do in April. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's get on with the show. The beanholes. It's Eric and they hate the beanholes. They're really pretty great. So shut up and listen to them talk. Eric and they Welcome to another episode of The Bean Holes. I'm Eric. Hi, Eric. How you doing? What's your name? My name is Nate. What's your name, Whittle Goal? <laughs> <laughs> we are The Bean Holes, and we're continuing our Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice month. And this week, we're going back into Gotham City to talk about... Um, Bruce Wayne himself, the Batman, and his history and experience in film oh yeah now i like to think of gotham as an ad campaign for ham gotham got ham i'm sure at least some advertising agency in gotham probably tried that oh yeah i don't I, we're talking about a fictional place so and if if somebody who ever happens to work on a future batman video game listens to this there's a bill there's an easy billboard for you to make that you don't have to worry about in oh yeah the, in your in your gotham that should be the default billboard like the, the one you see like 30 times yeah because they do they have uh in the in the games they'll have like advertisements or um in arkham knight it was very surreal there was a moment um you know because you're allowed to go into gotham city now where they they had a strip club <laughs> And 
they, it had one of those signs. Actually, it was the sign from Big Daddy where he uses the nightlight and it says live nudes. Yeah. And it says live nudes and has like one of those uh, neon like outlines of that girl sitting down that you see on like truck flaps and stuff. Right, right. Little girl. Yeah, the little girl. It was just, it was very weird to see basically a strip club in Gotham City, at, you know, in a Batman game. <laughs> I wonder if they were, I mean, that is a classic sign, but I wonder if they were actually just paying an homage to Big Daddy. Yeah, because if I was designing the game and they were like, just put in city stuff, I that, that sign probably would have came in my head like, <laughs> live nudes. <laughs> I wonder why people would ever have to use that sign because would you expect at a strip club for there not to be live nudes? Like <laughs> you walk in and they just have pinups on the wall, like, all right, pick a booth. Well, remember, it used to not be all that uncommon to have pornographic theaters. Right, right. So, yeah. Paul Rubens knows about those. I guess that's true. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I guess the answer to your question is... Yes, people. Oh, would be. okay. <laughs> so that is the different. That's the differentiating factor. These are actual living women, live in person. I wonder if it. Uh, I wonder if just. I wonder where the 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 Ebert and the Roper and Ebert versions of like porn movies are where they're like, oh, the story in this one was kind of lacking. And that's just what they say to every, <laughs> like the story <laughs> section of their reviews and for every porn movie is just like, <laughs> it's the same thing. They're like, uh, you know, it really wasn't that in depth. And I, I found the sexual situations in this movie to be shallow and pedantic. <laughs> I've noticed though. Um, Have you? Yeah, no. Uh, like when I was, when I just turned 18 and then, you know, when you first like, oh my God, I'm going to go into a the porno shop and uh, they have m movies in there made by companies who take the concept of like, we're going to actually make a story yeah. that will have, you know, like times when there's sex, like it'll make sense and then it'll just be like, it'll show you everything. And I, I wonder if people who watch that, like, if they get lost in the story and then they realize, wait a minute, I'm still, I'm watching a porno. What is this? And, <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's, there's not many movies that really have sex as the main focus and, but give great, a great deal of attention to, uh, to the story. There's plenty of stuff where they're like, and this is going to be a very, very graphic sex scene in the middle of the movie that we worked very hard to make everything else work. Right, like Deadpool. Right. For like a minute. Yeah, yeah. But, a um, solid minute. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we did mention during our um, Batman 66 podcast that um, before 1966, Batman was shown in theaters in film film serials, yep, which was kind of like a fifteen part TV show, but you'd go to the theater at different times to catch like was it probably imagine like what maybe once a week, but you would just go into a theater to catch these. It, they're, you know, they're yeah, lots on of, television. Lots lots of um, the, the it was particularly popular with kids to to go in and 
follow along and we've we've talked about film serials before about yeah, how yeah. um you know the lone ranger was was a popular film serial the um uh the uh, oh flash gordon and buck rogers were both uh film serial buck rogers was first um and and Flash Gordon came after, and and those both heavily influenced George Lucas, as we mentioned before. Star Wars right, was originally right. cons- uh, begun as as an attempt to make a Flash Gordon movie, and and he couldn't get the rights, and he was like, "Screw it, I'll make my own thing." Um, but yeah, serials were basically, you know, a few minutes long. Um, you know, a, an, an episode, uh, and it would end with a cliffhanger and will they get out of this one? We'll have to come back in a few weeks and find out. Right. right. And, um, and the, the first one came out July 16th, 1943. And at least to my knowledge is the first live action actor to don the bat suit, Lewis Wilson. Um, the, the it was just called Batman, uh, or in some posters, it was the Batman. Um, it very like even back then, very cool stylized posters. It you know, a uh, hundred times more thrilling on the screen. And yeah, um, yeah, as you can see, Robin in the back there. But this was it. You would just go in and and you know, fifteen parts uh, proved to I guess be popular enough that they went on to make a second one in nineteen forty nine called Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this one you. They have since re-released on DVD uh, under Batman and Robin, and very like a very modern-looking cover. Um, Turner, th- this is the version that Turner Classic Movies plays uh, a good amount of the time, and um, um, and this one stars uh, Robert Lowry as as Batman and Johnny Duncan as um, Dick Grayson, mm-hmm. Robin, um. Now, I think during 1965, these movies were strung together. The, at least the first Batman was, was uh, they took all 15 parts because they weren't long. I, I don't think they were, they were very long, like maybe five, ten minutes a, right. a, an episode. Um, and it was re-released as An Evening with Batman and Robin. Um, and you, so you would just, they would treat it as like a movie in, you know, 1965 and that in theaters. And of course, with the story you told during our Batman 66 about, um, yeah, that, I think that version is uh, the evening with Batman and Robin is the version that most likely was shown in during, uh, one of the playboy parties or at least multiple ones. Yeah. It was, it was multiple, uh, the, the, um, yeah, my research said that showed that Hugh Hefner played it frequently at the at the Playboy Mansion, right? And people right. just sat around and laughed at it. And uh, that was a, a big between the the public going to see these again in theaters, and then of course this thing with with uh, Hugh Hefner, yeah, uh, got Batman back on television in 1966, which uh, after watching a, a whole documentary on the series that you know that tv show exploded enough that they then they cashed in you know uh into the into the batman the movie in 1966 yeah totally forgot about the scene we were talking about this that when he has the bomb 
Oh yeah. And it's five, it's like five minutes of him running into different areas and it like, <laughs> I'm going to throw it over the stock. Oh, there's a per- people in a boat. I'm going to yeah. go over to this other dock. Oh, there's baby ducks. <laughs> and that one line. There's some days where you just can't throw away a bomb. Like, yeah. It's so, <laughs> so good. It's, it's so corny, but that was the point, you yeah. know, it was supposed to be corny. Yeah. Um, but that movie did decently not, not, you know, it didn't explode into like a big blockbuster. It just was, it was there. Yeah. Um, but Batman stayed dormant for about 20, 20 years at that point. You know, the yep. TV show went downhill after three seasons. Uh, Batmania was over. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, of course you had like the, the, um, the super friends, in in the I think it was the late seventies that Super Friends came out, so Batman wasn't totally gone from the public consciousness outside of comic books, but but definitely um, there's no live action stuff until eighty nine. Yeah, yeah. Um, now this was, uh, um, well, yeah. So Batman the movie. Or just Batman? Is it just called Batman? Yeah, it was just called Batman. Um, Tim Burton directed. Michael Keaton starred. Opposite Jack Nicholson. Um, Man, that's still that casting right there. Yeah. Uh, well, that's, well, as for as, Nich- for Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Jack Nicholson at this point was like the guy. Like back when we were talking about Superman last week, we talked about. Um, What's his face? The Godfather. Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando being like that big guy that they got for the movie. Yeah. This um, was a similar get. Yeah. Jack Nicholson was was arguably one of the biggest star in the world for movies yeah. and, and maintained that stardom, at least, you know, throughout a good portion of his career. Yeah. Um, is still a big name to this day. Getting and- him to do a comic book movie, especially at this point. You know, Superman had just played out its run. Superman four, you know, we we discussed Superman three and four did did kind of poorly, poorly, you know, <laughs> poor business. So then, let's do Batman. Oh, that sixties campy show, which most yeah. people knew. So, yeah. um, and the thing is, there were there there were many people that were um, that were there were not many people that were upset with Nicholson being cast as the Joker. But the same thing that we saw when when Heath Ledger was cast as the Joker, and people were like, "That fucking idiot!" Like, what? You know, well, the be- the yeah, the, uh, the Brokeback Mountain stuff kept coming up. Like, yeah, he played a, a gay cowboy. He right. can't play the Joker. And right, um, um, oh, I heard you know, a lot of things from like ten things I hate about you, and yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, so there was that, and then there was, of course. Uh, when when Affleck was cast as Batman recently, there was a you know huge uproar, and now it seems like from what everything we're hearing, it's he, like him as Batman is the only good thing about uh, beyond movie. being just like the only good thing I've heard from from a few sources that it it is ama- it's awesome. Yeah, he's a great Batman. So yeah. so just like all this stuff that's happened in recent years, there wasn't the internet to or there wasn't the world wide web and and social media and all that in 89 but people were very upset it took more it was more in the form of like letters to uh to magazines that covered comic book like w- i think wizard magazine was one there's a big 
comic book yeah uh magazine and um you know people writing into that people writing in like directly writing letters to the studio making the movie like you know he's he's a shitty he's a shitty comedic actor in the yeah, way uh, michael gonna, keaton yeah um, that's what he was known for it was uh, mr mom was really Mr. came Mom, out before that. Um, Beetlejuice was out before that as well. And Beetlejuice was the movie that, uh, if that wasn't successful, Burton wasn't going to get the green light in Batman. Right. But Beetlejuice came out and proved to to do huge business. Mm-hmm. So then that kind of not only bolstered Tim Burton's stock, but Michael Keaton's as well. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, and Alec Baldwin was also in in Beetlejuice, and he was he was considered for the role of Batman as well. He he was on the short list there, um, and of course he he ended up starring as the Shadow, which is I believe the Shadow predated Batman. The Shadow I think was originally a radio play, a yeah. radio serial character, um, but of but a, you know similar style and tone, a very dark. A superhero kind of thing, guy that goes off and trains and learns how to be a crime fighter and vigilante. Um, but anyway, we ended up with Michael Keaton, and at the time after the movie came out, people loved it. I mean, almost universally, um, he you know he was a good Bruce Wayne, good Batman. Uh, against a, a, a very good Joker, and, and people loved this, and the and the dark style and the serious tone that Tim Burton brought to it. Yeah, for at the time. Yeah, you know because well, it it, it even now it's it, it's a serious tone in comparison to the camp of the '66. Well, I I still look as the first Batman. It, it's it's definitely more serious, but then there's a lot of, because of the Joker. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely humor. You in know, there. my favorite joke, you wouldn't hit a guy with glasses, would you? And yeah. just puts on the glasses. It's good. <laughs> you know, he's got a lot of, you know, the, the big balloons and the, yeah. the floats and well, um, and po- the, the, uh, the, the parade scene when, when the bat wing, the bat plane, whatever they called it in that, that is, he's got a basically a custom, stealth fighter jet coming right at him and he just pulls a long barreled revolver out of his pants and shoots <laughs> like like a single gun a single handgun is going to do anything oh, um it's just got this comedic long barrel on it yeah. i love it <laughs> um but then batman returns you know which we'll get into so much more darker and it was yeah. almost as if somebody told Tim Burton oh you made a light children's film and yeah. he was like oh yeah and and he went I even with um the the newer Batman stuff I like that that was a, just a very dark yeah. serious movie there and there was there was a lot of the Burton style weirdness in it as well it wasn't it wasn't what we think of today what we call today that a a dark and gritty movie. It, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, um, I don't like that people call the, you know, the dark and gritty stuff like, like the Nolan, uh, Batman trilogy. I don't like that people call that super realistic because it's still a fucking comic book. There's still a guy throwing tights on because his parents died. And, 
<laughs> and um, even with what they did with that Joker, it's still like they took. It's still a guy putting makeup on war paint to look like a, yeah, a Joker. Yeah. You know, um, the, the one thing Nicholson going into this movie, he he accepted the role under very strict conditions that mm-hmm. uh, he he got a high salary for it. Of course, a good portion of the box office, um, and I believe he got eleven point nine percent of the box office that's yeah see that's crazy and then of course his shooting schedule which i imagine had something to do with the lakers because yep i don't think he's missed a home game I, I mean i'm sure he maybe has missed one but he's he is a dedicated probably most well-known celebrity on a basketball court yeah in the history of the nba so i imagine that had a little something to do with it um but that you know that movie came out did did huge business for Batman. Bat, you could not just. I mean, I, I was not. I was still in my father's balls at this point. But um, <laughs> just from everything I've heard in pictures, Batman was everywhere. <laughs> to, to be clear, what you're saying is you had not yet been conceived. I yeah, I was gonna say I was still <laughs> sperm, but. <laughs> Yeah, you honestly, if you said you were still sperm, that would have been less disturbing than declaring that you were in your father's balls. <laughs> oh, but uh, you know the one thing about this movie, and we kind of had a had a little text message thing about this was that Billy D. Williams was was Harvey Dent was Harvey Dent, yeah, and it was to set up the the eventual turn of. And to Two Face, yeah. And I really, th- I, oh man, I'm not. Sh- Aside from Batman and Star Wars, I don't, and 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 some old Colt Forty Five commercials, I don't have much exposure to Billy D. Williams. I don't. I think most people don't, but I'm I'm sure if I seek out some some movies, I can see more. But but I was excited to see him, you know, not just play a fairly minor role, but to really become the villain in the next movie. I was, I was really excited for that. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they, of course, you know, we'll, we'll later get into that. They, they ended up recasting Harvey Dent, but that would have been exciting. And the one thing that always bothered me, just not bothered, but I, I never, I always wondered what it would have looked like, you know, yeah. because uh, Harvey Dent normally is, is Caucasian. And when he gets yeah. burned, it, Turns, you know, his other half, you know, charred. Yeah, easy to distinguish the two face. Not well, not so much charred as 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 very red. Right. Uh, well, sometimes in the comics they'll like make him purple or they'll make it another color. Right. Um, I'm just saying, like it, it it's a very realistic looking burn scar. Right. Billy D. Williams being black. Yeah. I just would have liked to see what they would have done with that. Well, I I, I can tell you that the darker, um, from from what I've seen in real life, the darker someone's skin is, the more that um that surface scar tissue like that ends up being lighter. Oh, okay. Um, now we're still talking an acid burn, so, um. So I don't know if, if you know, there, there, it might have been, it, it could be a very weird or very disturbing and nauseating mix of, uh, 
of super light scar tissue and um and some healthy flesh and just like bloody scarred mess <laughs> so oh, it all depends cuz like the the Aaron Eckhart uh version of Two-Face in in the Nolan trilogies trilogy um was that wasn't scar tissue that that was like that was a fresh wound like you, we don't really see him you know it's not a year or 10 years later after this accident it's it like he just literally had his face burned off very recently and um and so that that's why that had such such a raw look <laughs> it's it really they would really were just like okay just peel away the top layer of skin and that's you know show what actually would would be there underneath the skin um and well and this is what apparently a few writers uh Kate Leth and artist Joe uh Quinn 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 ones yep. it's literally Quin- how his last no, no, name no. is Quinones Quinones oh do you all right no that, that it's a very common name and I know several people with that so. oh I've never seen that last name before <laughs> Um, What'd you say, Quinn ones? It, it's literally spelled Quinn ones. Yeah. Or um, Quin, was it Quinones? Well, it, Quinones or Quinones. It depends whether Quinones. there is a teal day there and what how how uh, how anglicized they are. Really, it's like is he is he choosing to pronounce his name correctly and spell his name correctly, or or is he is he like twelfth generation American or what what's going on? But yeah, it's one of those, definitely. <laughs> they uh, they pitched an idea. Uh, Batman sixty six had a cool, very cool run in with with comic books. They kept the stories going. Uh, yep. Kevin Smith, Ralph Garman did that one with the the Green Hornet. So they pitched doing Batman eighty nine and that continuing cool. the comic adventures of Michael Keaton as as Batman. Yep. And in this kind of like showcase cover, they not only show, um. Marlon Wayans is a possible Robin Mm because that was a big rumor that he was going to play Robin in the third Batman. Yeah. Um, They have a sketch of a Billy D. Williams as Two-Face. Oh, wow. And it's even awesome. They have his uh, mustache as white, too, on on the burnt side. (laughs) So... Yeah, I think, you know, maybe uh, this this story coming out that this was pitched, maybe it kind of gives the backing to DC kind of like the leak with Deadpool of the giving them the like, all right, let's, let's do that as a comic book or a one-off and see how it does. Yeah. Um, so after the first Batman, he does Batman returns, Tim Burton comes back with Michael Keaton and instead of having one villain, and this is the one thing I hated about, uh, older superhero movies is that they would, they would kill villains. They would kill the villains. And instead of, we have this world now where, you know, if they still had that same mentality, Loki would have been killed in the first Avengers movie. And then that would have been it. But Loki is still around looming out there. There's a few other villains. Ultron could still be out there in the world. And, you know, um, Thanos appears in a few movies. Now back then it was like, no, you're, 
and even up to this, even in the last decade, there was just this mentality of no, you got to kill your first villain. Yeah. The Joker gets killed. Well, it's, it's this. This was early on in in comic books as well. It was the idea that if if the villains, you know, if you're you can't possibly be a very good superhero or crime fighter if if the villains keep surviving escaping and coming back and committing more crimes like who right, right so and and that was the joker's first appearance at all in batman the idea in in the batman comic books the very first appearance the the intent was for him to die like he was just a one-off character and it was um you know the editors insisted on adding a panel at the end. I think we've talked about this way back, like a year and a half ago. When I we think did even the whole thing when we did Joker. The, Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, there was really, it's, it's a very, you can tell it's like a hastily drawn extra panel. And, and it's like the, uh, the coroner is like looking terrified that the, you know, that the Joker turned out to still have been alive and then that's that's the end of it. It's um, I think it's funny. First of all, that a doctor would would be horrified that a person was not dead, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So that that somehow it was like settled in comics that like okay, no, it doesn't make them a bad hero. It makes the these villains their main villains. It makes them that that good that much of a challenge that they that, keep coming back yeah and, um and but for some reason in the movies it you know decades later they kind of had to go through this whole process again and and rethink it all right right um and so the end of the first batman movie joker spoilers joker falls off of a building and what? supposedly dies right um yeah, it wasn't I say that, super clear that he's dead. It just shows him lying there with his eyes open and the Well, there was a there was a plan to bring him back later on, which we'll get into. Yeah. But um, you know, he 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 you know dies in that movie. Yeah. Batman returns, um, adds now uh, the main villain is is the penguin played by Danny DeVito. Well, the main villain from the comic books is is the penguin played by Danny DeVito. Um and we also have Selena Kyle. Catwoman played by Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah. But we also have a new villain, Max Shrek, played by Christopher Walken in yep. all of his glory. Yep. And if I'm not mistaken, much like the um the the Lex Luthor stand in in Superman three, uh, this character is not from the comics. No. He wasn't in comics no. later on. He just I, was. I don't think they've used him in comics. They yeah. may have even just hinted towards it, but he has not become a character that has, has had a, a mainstay. Yeah. And he, he kind of plays the puppet master, if uh, you will. Of uh, the penguin. Uh, of the penguin. Until and, the penguin's like, okay, I don't, you know. And, and they make, the, and this is weird. <laughs> it always bothers me. I, I love Danny DeVito as, as the penguin. I think it's perfect casting, but they kind of, the penguin, you know, I, I've o always seen the character as 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 uh, you know, he's he's orphaned, and he's grows up pompous and grows up, gets a lot of money or inherits money from his parents, and um, 
wants to have like be like how they kind of portray him in Gotham. He wants to be the head of all these criminal organizations and you know, the, the fancy suits. And this penguin is like, he finds him and he's this dirty, this dirty man wants to live in the sewers mm -hmm. And he's and and Shrek is the one putting the clothes on him. Like, no, no, wear this top hat. Wear this. You're running for mayor. And and the penguin doesn't want any of that shit. Yeah, he just you know. Um, but but I mean that that's that's a, that's a nice Burton twist. He, he right he, right. He kind of um kind of give him that Edward Scissorhands treatment. Um, oh yeah, you're <laughs> right. I didn't I've never even thought about that. Uh, but and and. So so yeah, we've basically in a way there's three villains in this movie. Although Catwoman, as she often does in the comics, is sort of an ally, sort of an enemy. Yeah, she, um, you never know which what she's going to do next. Right, really, right? Um, and um, and and this really is a good indicator. You know, th this Batman Returns and Superman Two together. They they show a problem, or they they show the beginnings of a problem that that has kind of plagued the industry, and it, it really has only gotten worse. Um, where I shouldn't say the industry, but this genre, superhero movies, um, solo superhero movies, basically when you start off and you're not sure a hundred percent is this, you know, is this going to warrant a sequel are people going to like this movie you want to get them in the door you want to use the most popular villain so that people are going to come and see you know i want to see superman face off against lex luther i don't want to see him face off against metallo who i don't even know who the hell he is you know right right um but that combined with especially now like batman when it was an apparent murder or not murder <laughs> he didn't murder the joker but um but the joker died you know an apparent death um you you now are stuck with needing to to go to the you know the the second level you know the the next best villains and you and so it's like okay well maybe not as many people have heard of um of the penguin as have heard of the Joker or not as many people would be excited to see the penguin as the main villain as they would be to, to have the Joker. So we have to throw Catwoman in there and, Oh, she's not, you know, and, uh, she's not just a villain and they're going to be allies. So we also need to up the ante and make it a bigger challenge. So we need to manufacture this other character just to yeah. have another guy. To I, I've never, it. I've never laid that out and that makes perfect sense of, of why this has so much going on for it. Yeah. Um, um I, and I just want to say the, I do feel that, um, it got is it kind of was getting a little crazy having um you know joker and two face in in the dark knight i'm so i feel yeah, like even the yeah. nolan thing suffers from this where you have scarecrow as your main villain you have you have razal ghoul um sort of as a secondary one um and well even even so you have I would say Ra's al Ghul is the main one because he's the one. Well, throughout, throughout the, the whole movie. trilogy, yes. And 
Um, and Scarecrow kind of was just that, like, like poking you in the side near the end there. Cause I guess you that's know. true. Uh, but, but what I was going to say they, that they do really well is because they don't kill off Scarecrow in the first movie in, instead of just having more villains in order to up the ante, they did have more villains and, and went and in order to get more people in, but also they were smart enough not to blow blow their Joker load on the first <laughs> Batman movie. Right, um, right. But in order to up the ante, um, they made the Joker <laughs> the Joker load. <laughs> <laughs> they made they made the Joker um seem like a more intimidating villain. Um simply by having Batman easily defeat the Scarecrow in the beginning of, of the second movie. Right, right. And th- so then showing like, oh, okay, so he's, you know, he he's getting better at being Batman and it's no problem for him to defeat the Scarecrow. So the fact that he is having trouble with Joker means that Joker is that much more of a problem. And um, so that, that was a better way to do it rather than try to throw Eve and more. And I, I think if Burton had went with the route of more the comics with the penguin of him being like where he doesn't need anybody to show him what to do. Like he's being right. the, the boss, you know, it, it's yeah. the, you know, and then rising with the criminal underground. I think he could have lasted on his own or not needed Shrek at all, but because I'm sure Burton really wanted this, like, you know, no pun intended, but this fish out of water story of this guy, this deformed guy, um, who wasn't just obsessed with being a penguin, but actually looked like one. Yeah. He needed that, that villain to push him up there. And I, and I think that also just kind of took away from the penguin a little bit. Yeah. Well, I also think that he, he, I think that it seems to me that Tim Burton fell in love with what he was doing with the character of the penguin so much that, that he is, he isn't, you know, he's just such a tragic figure that you sympathize with him more. Yeah. You yeah. know, like Joker was entered. Jack Nicholson's Joker was entertaining and you can love the character. But he, he was, they, they set him up as a piece of shit very early on right. in that movie. Right. Before he gets turned into the Joker. So that even when he has all that makeup on and he's doing the gags and stuff, you, you, you know that he's still a, a yeah. dirt bag. Yeah. Um, now, uh, this, 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 the penguin character and, and what Burton was doing with the movie might've made for a decent, like it it probably did make for a pretty good movie. Um, but it, but the problem with superhero movies, even, even back then from late eighties, early nineties, and definitely more so now, but it was certainly becoming a major part of the revenue stream of superhero movies. Um, you, you've got to have merchandise and the toys of a dirty, ugly, fat, short man in stained long johns. Like (laughs) that's not something that kids were, were, would, you know, we're seeing in the toy aisle. It's so funny because FYE has this like one sixteenth scale of, (laughs) he's, 
He they have like a fabric coat, mm-hmm. but in the packaging, he's just in the stained lawn johns. <laughs> and it's a big figure and it's fucking grotesque to look at. And I yeah. want it. Right. But it's definitely <laughs> now that you're saying that, like what kid? Yeah. And you know. so, you know, and the secondary toys were kind of cool because they had like the little the penguins with missile launchers on their backs. And, <laughs> That's the like, other thing. He has an army of penguins right. helping him. Um but there really was um the main villain just didn't have good toys he what as far as actually making a sale to to young kids yeah and also it was to 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 the truly younger side of the market that like that was you know pre 10 years old but like like batman wanted to see this movie it was it was dark enough as to actually be scary to the kids. And so there are a lot of parents that, or it might not have even been scary to the kids, but the parents would be afraid that it was. So it did, uh, I think a hundred million less roughly than, than the first Batman movie. Um, so the studio was not really happy. Uh, and, and Tim Burton willingly stepped out of the director's chair for the third movie yeah, well, Batman he was he, he was asked apparently. Well, they, um, he didn't want to do another the film because there were kind of, he says mixed emotions from the previous one. Yeah, that um, that means that his bosses were mad that he didn't make as much money. Right, right. <laughs> so, um, they the f- Warner Brothers developed a script that had Penguin and Catwoman going after hidden treasure. <laughs> Uh, Burton agreed to return and it gave him more creative control. He replaced uh, uh, Sam Ham with his own writer. Um, and then Wesley Strict did an uncredited rewrite. Yeah. Um, removed the characters of Harvey Dent and Robin. Yeah. And, um, and then Annette Benning was apparently originally cast as Catwoman, but uh, wow. she, uh, she had pregnancy. She got pregnant. She pregnancy. <laughs> uh, the way I was reading that, I was like, "Oh well." Uh, she was she was replaced with Michelle Pfeiffer following her pregnancy, right. which is interesting because Michelle Pfeiffer was considered for the role of Vicky Vale in the first one, but Michael Keaton didn't want that because they were seeing each other at the time, and he thought it would be awkward to make oh a movie together. Oh my god, I never knew that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure by the time the the next one rolled around, they probably weren't. But it it was, um, you know, it was an amicable amicable ending between them. Um, the one thing in these movies that I I wish they have because my f- absolute favorite thing in any Batman movie and TV show cartoon is the relationship between Batman and Commissioner Gordon mm. because they're not really supposed to be friends due to what the one's a vigilante one is the commissioner of the police department right and then you know that's why in the batman games when you can just walk into the police precinct everyone's like oh hi batman and <laughs> he's like a part of the police force but he's yeah. not it's right i love that dynamic and these movies commissioner gordon is there but he's not right you know so um Batman Returns did about half of what Batman did. Yeah. Still made a great ton of money, but when you're now 50% down, yeah. You know, studio goes, "Well, what are we doing? This one is really dark. Kids are not happy." Yeah. 
Um, so I, I just, before we yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. We're, uh, think we're about to move on to the next one, but I just want to say it occurred to me while we were talking that Joker is, is a, um, actually this, this, this transitions nicely into their movie anyway. Um, Joker is sort of like the anti Batman in that he's, you know, he, he's, he's not super serious. He's not super logical. Um, he, you know, he's quite the opposite. You know, he, everything's a joke. Um, uh, he, and, and he's, he's insane and all that. And, um, so he, in, in that sense, he's kind of the anti Batman. Um, and it occurs to me that the penguin is sort of the same kind of mirror image, but of Bruce Wayne, where you know, and the heir to from to rich parents, um, and but to but you know, uses that to um, specifically to amass power for himself, and has no qualms about working as a criminal, um, whereas Bruce Wayne. Excuse me. <clears throat> Whereas, you know, Bruce Wayne obviously wants to be Batman and, and fight crime and all that. Right. And is right. not is not so much about gaining power for himself as using the power he does have, namely money, um <laughs> to uh what's his superpower? Yeah. Thick wallet. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah, to fight crime. So it's it's interesting and I um I that I just noticed that that kind of parallel there. The reason I think that moves us nicely into the third one is, um, again, we suffer from from uh, from villain bloat. <laughs> uh, we're looking. Uh, so Joel Schumacher was um, was the you know was tapped to be director for Batman Forever, um, with Burton staying in a in a producing role. Yeah. Uh, and over over several issues, uh, m- much of it basically probably being the fact that Michael Keaton enjoyed working with Tim Burton and didn't like that he wasn't going to be able to, and and also because the story was kind of taking a different direction as well um, from from what he had anticipated and what he had been it, you know come to expect because of working with Burton, uh, Michael Keaton bowed out of of the role of Bruce Wayne slash Batman. I think it would have been nice for him to to stay on. It would have know, been another one at least try it. It would have been, um, but I don't. You know, clearly, it was a very different movie. It is. It is because Schumacher, um, Burton's idea of Gotham City over the course of two movies got very down into this gothic, dystopian. A lot of grays, you know, yeah, just dark. dark. Yeah, it was, you know, in, in, in so few words. Um, so Schumacher came in and and just splashed color onto everything. He, he made everything a lot more colorful, uh, the most colorful up to that point of any of the Batman movies, and not in a bad way. Batman Forever means a lot to me because as a kid, that was my first. That was just the first Batman movie I remember seeing. Yeah. I may have even saw that in the theaters. I, I was f- four at the times, probably not, but definitely saw it on video a ton of times. 
Um, that was the one where I had, I had toys for. I had toys for Batman Forever. I remember going to McDonald's and getting the collectible glasses, and I think I still have, you know, one or two of them around. So um, th this movie... I think found a really good mix. I like the world that was set up. I like that it is still kind of this gothic city, but they're just at least is just a little bit more color. Yeah. You know, oh, that's it. There's a lot more, a color, lot more color. There's more sections of like neon lights. And, yeah. um, there's an interesting, uh, fan theory, which I hate. We've, I've gone over it before. I hate calling it a fan theory because it's, 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 a, it's, an, it's a, well, it's no, no, no. Because it's an interpretation. Yeah. Like it's, it's not a theory because you're not coming up with a, with a, a potentially provable idea of how the world works or, or, you know, it's, you're, you, you're looking at a bunch of movies and saying like, I choose to look at it as them being connected in this particular way rather than the way that other people see, or I think that this is this person's motivation. That's just, it's an interpretation of what you're seeing. It's not a theory, but anyway, I'll get off my, my soapbox. Cause that is a pretty stupid thing to get upset about anyway. Um, <laughs> but there, there is an interpretation out there of, of these, these four connected Batman films that, Batman Forever and Batman and Robin are um it's it's fun to watch them all th just it choosing to interpret it this way and watching it in this way that Batman and Robin I'm sorry Batman Forever and Batman and Robin are actually movies about Batman in the world of the first two Batman movies so like Bruce Wayne, huh. Bruce Wayne does like, imagine he does his thing, um, gets, you know, he basically is like done being Batman, confesses that it's, that he's Batman, lets people know whatever. And then be, it becomes like a thing that people make movies about. And in, of course, in this very dark, serious world, they would want very bright, silly movies as an escape from That's their horrible reality. I mean, yeah, that's an interesting way to look at it, and that kind of makes sense of the of the cast changes throughout because you know now that Michael Keaton has stepped down, um, William Baldwin and Ethan Hawke were uh, were considered replacements, but it ultimately went to Val Kilmer. Yep, who um, great in the decent in the bat suit, but as Bruce Wayne is the driest Bruce Wayne I think I've ever seen on film it yeah. is, is very monotone and deadpans. Yeah. You know, everything it's hard to get at least with Michael Keaton's Bruce Wayne when he was, when he was Bruce Wayne and he was, you know, with Vicki Vale or talking to uh, Selena Kyle and meeting characters and Alfred he had that type of seriousness where you could tell he was thinking, Yep. you know, Oh, there was something going on in his head. He might not express something, but that was Bruce Wayne, but Val Kilmer's Bruce Wayne, just, it comes off very just dry and, mm -hmm. and you know, um, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But not only do we have two villains in this movie, 
mm-hmm. we get introduced to Robin for the first time in these in these movies. Yes, uh, Marlon Wayans was apparently the the front runner for the for the part. Yeah, um, I'm not and was sure. It, was it in was it in Batman Returns that he was supposed to show up as? I think so. Tim Tim Burton really. I Tim Burton wanted Marlon Wayans as as Robin, um, and I'm not sure that after. Uh, I think they shot some scenes was, and it got cut. Yeah, Robin appeared in the shooting script for Batman Returns, but was deleted due to oh, too God. many characters. Yeah. Marlon Wayans had been cast in the role and signed on for Batman Forever, uh, and it was decided to replace Wayans, uh, you know, with Chris O'Donnell. Yeah, yeah. which uh, you know, I, I I do like Chris O'Donnell's Robin for a, a few reasons. I also dislike his Robin for a few reasons. Um, but we're introduced to the beginning of the movie opens up with this is this is one thing I really like about Batman Forever over the other two movies is that they don't need to really explain to you or give you the uh, the inside of what happened. They don't need to show you what happened to Harvey Dent. Right now, there is a news story within the movie that just kind of covers it. But the movie opens up with a a chase scene essentially with Harvey Dent. Yeah. So I like that, that like, this has clearly been something going on in the world. Yeah. And you're just kind of coming into it instead of starting out with no Harvey Dent. And then he just pops up and yeah. Now, um, not to interrupt your flow here, but no, uh, no, no. (laughs) Um, obviously Tommy Lee Jones was, was, uh, you know, potentially just as big a get as, as Jack Nicholson, for the Joker was right, um, right, and and he's I I he strikes me as someone that especially prior to playing this character was a lot more serious. Um, you know, I I, I feel like Jack Nicholson. There's not a whole lot that he takes seriously. No, because <laughs> even if you look at Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. I mean, he plays a very eccentric, yep. you know, not serious character. Yep. So he could um, play something like that. I don't think yeah. Tom Lee Jones ever had a role that. Right. So, um, and, you know, fantastic actor. But um, this is from uh, Peter McGregor Scott, who was uh, a producer on Batman Forever. Yep. Um, uh, and. See, uh, the, Joel Schumacher was shooting The Client, the uh, John Grisham uh, adapted uh, movie. Yeah. Um, and he and and they were, you know, this was while Batman was in like pre pre production, um, still being figured out. Batman Forever. Um, so Peter McGregor Scott went to see Joel Schumacher while he was shooting The Client. And Tommy Lee Jones was in that. And, and um, yeah, so Peter said, uh, Tommy Lee and I were quite good friends. I'd done Under Siege and The Fugitive with him. And uh, and I reminded him that he got the Academy Award for, for The Fugitive. <laughs> so, he's, you know, basically, like, as the producer coming in and saying, like, hey, I kind of want you to do this movie, he was like, remember, you won an Oscar last time we worked on a movie together. So maybe you should think about doing this movie that, um, and, um, you know, and he says to Joel, like, um, 
Oh, this was uh, this was actually later. I, they 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 hadn't even considered him yet, but he did remind him that while shoot while they were shooting the client, and um and he said to to Joel Schumacher that Tommy Lee Jones would be a fantastic Two Face, and um and and so Schumacher said go get him, so he sent Tommy Lee Jones the screenplay, and two hours later, he must he must have like immediately just sat down and read the whole screenplay. Two hours later, he calls up and he was like, I, I don't get it. I don't understand what this, what this is. Like, I, <laughs> like he basically just didn't understand, like, why, why, why should I be the, why should I be this character? What the hell is this character all about? I just don't right, fucking right. understand anything about this. And he goes, and, and, uh, what Peter McGregor Scott, response to that was it was just why don't you reread the fucking thing and remember that academy award-winning actor tommy lee jones is playing the fucking role and then he hung up and a few hours later tommy lee jones called back and said okay i'll do it (laughs) so (laughs) wow i mean and i look i i like tommy lee jones i do um but in this my, was not his finest my, hour. In my <laughs> personal opinion, uh, not including Bane for speaking villains, yeah. This portrayal of Two Face is my least favorite. Yeah, there's this. I, I would say this to me, even including, <laughs> even including Bane, and and we we are talking about Bane from Batman and Robin, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're not covering the the Dark Knight trilogy. I would say even including Bane from from Batman and Robin, Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face is my least favorite Batman villain in a Batman movie. Period. I uh, yeah, I would even say to date because I I don't mind that Bane in the movie, but I know that's not like how he's supposed to be in the comics. Yeah. But uh, he just. I don't know what it is. He he tried to ham up the role so much. Yeah, he's just he, too he might have watched Jack Nichols. He might have watched that movie and said, "Oh, this is what Jack did. I could do this." Yeah. And chewing the scenery, heavily cornily playing off. Now this this is the movie people look at and go, "Oh, they started being like the the '66 uh, Batman." Yeah, being very corny. He wears this yellow tiger striped purple polka dot suit. <laughs> You know, the the burn, it's just, it looks like purple prosthetics. It doesn't look like burn and right. I don't know. They just really make up and wardrobe and Tommy Lee Jones yeah. hammed up everything they could with that character. It really, do, it, it looks it, more than, yeah. If I had to say, if you gave me two options, like give me a, give me a picture of Tommy Lee Jones as Two-Face. Um. And say, like, does this look more like he actually had acid thrown in his face or like he went to uh, went to Walmart and bought a five dollar Halloween mask and cut it, cut it off, cut it in half and put it on like it would look more like he bought. And and let me just say, too, there's not really much of an excuse because we did. I wasn't going to include this as part of an in-depth discussion because we can do a whole episode on this down the road. But Batman, the animated series, did have a movie, Mask of the Phantasm, which is the best Batman movie ever made. Mm -hmm. But the series was going on. um, Phantasm came out before 
Batman Forever. Yeah. So the series was going on, and their portrayal of Two Face had half of his face is a blue, mm-hmm. but his suit was just white and black. That right. was the Two Two Face part. Right. The character was out there in the public, done well, looked good. Now they didn't have to copy that, but then you. Show up with this. I think the suit bothers me more than the face. It's just like it is a over the top suit. Yeah. Um, but definitely it doesn't matter what kind of makeup or suit you put in a guy, it's all about the the betrayal. And when it's going to be that corny, Tommy Lee Jones just wasn't right for the role. And and they kind of dropped Billy D. Williams. I, I just I, I do want to say I don't I don't think that it's necessarily I don't put that on him. I don't put that on the actor because it was, you know, I, yeah, I feel like it's yeah. the director's and the writer's interpretation of the character that ultimately, really. Well, ultimately, the director is the one who at the end of a scene goes cut. All right. That's going in the movie like the yeah. print. Yeah. So he's the one that kind of has the, the word on that. On the total pun intended other side of the coin. <laughs> My personal favorite villain portrayed in this movie is Jim Carrey as the Riddler. Yeah. Now, before Jim Carrey took the role, Robin Williams was considered, which... Yeah. Oh, it was it was completely written for Robin Williams. And that would have been great. Yeah. But also, Michael Jackson was apparently lob- lobbying hard for the role. And I kind of feel bad because many times I've just seen... In a lot of these nerd movies that Michael Jackson just really wanted to be a part of, you yeah. know, he wanted to be a part of Star Wars Episode One. He wanted to be a part of Batman Forever, and like, you, well, did did he did? I don't know if you realize there's a lot of Prince. There's a lot of music by Prince in the first Batman. Yeah, I wanted and, to avoid that at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let's just acknowledge that for a second that that um, there was, of course, it's Tim Burton, so Danny Elfman did the soundtrack, but. Um, but uh, the there was some Prince music, and, and Prince there was two albums released for the movie. One was the Danny Elfman soundtrack. One was and one all was Prince a, songs. A, a, yeah, a, a whole album of movies that Bat or, dance. Mo- of sounds that Prince wrote for Batman. Now, did you know though that Michael Jackson was originally the one that was supposed to to have that contract and I believe that yeah and for whatever reason um it, it went to Prince instead um there must have been some kind of conflict um and I'm just thinking about that Michael Jackson Batman soundtrack and I'm salivating I'd love to listen to that <laughs> you come up to me with anything with Prince I don't give I don't care no. I, I like Prince's music. I like Prince's music too, but it just doesn't do anything for me as far as Batman. I like Trust. <laughs> Trust yeah. was a good song. You know, Bat Dance, it's got nostalgia with it, but yeah. I, I don't know. All right, back to back to But three. then they, they, they settle on Jim Carrey, which yeah. in the nineties he was the 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 real king of comedy, you yeah. know, or at least physical comedy at that point, the Days Ventura, the mask, this was uh, a different role for him in a way of he kind of played a serious character at first with right. Edward Nigma and that slow turn into the Riddler. And I, I like everything about him in that movie. Um, and I think he's the first villain that they didn't necessarily kill. Yeah. Too at the end of the movie, he's, he's in Arkham yep. and after getting fucked up by his box. <laughs> uh, now, and I'd, I'll just say like, um, 
Yeah. I I don't know if I could imagine Robin Williams doing um maybe, maybe several years beforehand I could, but at at this point that this came out, I don't I don't see Robin Williams being as physically expressive as as Jim Carrey was. Um and I, I think that brought a lot of a lot to the role and really helped to um to evoke Frank Gorshin's Riddler. Oh yeah, I mean even some of the suits, you know, there um the first suit he wears to go meet with Two-Face. You know, uh Edward has in his room, he like basically lives in like a closet yeah. and he has this fortune teller machine which is where he gets the idea for the riddler and he's wearing this coat and i guess he just steals it from the fortune teller <laughs> but it's pretty much ex- almost exactly the same coat that frank gorshin wore in yeah. the his debut episode as the riddler and still had that bowler cap with the one you know question mark on it yeah yeah um now the interesting thing um oh wow i, I got sidetracked a while back but <laughs> that's like that never happens. Um, but when I was saying that uh, the the when I was talking about Penguin being more of a reflection of Bruce Wayne, yep, and that being a nice transition to 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 Batman Forever, this is the point I was talking about. The two villains in this movie, I didn't realize it for a long time, but I this was their specific intent uh, in making this movie was to not just overload Batman with, with more villains to deal with, but that um, Two-Face is is a nemesis for Batman, but Riddler is is really, he hates Bruce Wayne, you know, and it, and it was, it was actually having, um, you know, a challenge for each of the personas to uh, to face off against, and of course, they end up working together, and and he has to fight them both as Batman right. and all that. But well, Riddler's whole whole plan was to just screw over Two Face anyway. Mm-hmm. He just kind of needed help with him getting the money to actually make his uh, his dream come true. That Bruce Wayne said, "Ah, this is not a good idea." Yeah, which in the end really wasn't, and Bruce Wayne was smart, <laughs> but, um, yeah, and I, I don't think they they meet up before this, but at some point in the movie, um, you know, Harvey Dent crashes a circus, of course, and the Flying Graysons are performing, and you know, yeah, we know what happens. Yeah, <laughs> Robin's family. You, well, okay, I mean, this is Dick Grayson. There, there's no spoilers here on yeah, how does Dick yeah. Grayson. Bec- there's not many his, people his, left alive, and certainly none family. of them are listening as well. And this is crazy because I think Chris O'Donnell's age at this point, at least in the comics, would have been at the time that he would be going to Nightwing. He would right. be leaving. Right. So he's coming in as an older. Yeah. You know. Well, it's, uh, yeah. It's 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 funny that. Um, I mean, I'm. Sh- I I think part of the the logic of casting older here is they they really don't want to seem like they're encouraging like twelve year old boys to go out and and fight crime in their underwear. Yeah, um, all right, understandable. <laughs> but uh, but it it is it's funny that like you know it's <laughs> Bruce Wayne is like taking in this poor orphaned boy and he's like. 
he's like the aide. To me, he looked like someone that was probably finishing up college. Um, except that he wasn't in college because he was in this whole the flying Grayson's thing. But, but um, you know, it's when you're when you're in your early twenties and you're riding a motorcycle around, like you you don't you don't need. <laughs> Uh, a foster dad to take you in and and um and if anything <laughs> if if anything ever played to the the um the image that Bruce Wayne was fucking Robin it was uh. <laughs> it was like oh this 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 guy in his in his early 20s who uh who is emotionally vulnerable right now? I better, I better uh, come live with me. Yeah, come come live with me, and uh, we'll spend time together, and I'll help you. Because anyway, yeah, yeah, and 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 it, it is a good arc of uh, him. You know, he wants to kill Two Face due yep. to killing his family, and learns through Batman uh, and Bruce, same guy. Um, nah, you don't really want to kill. It's not worth it because uh, Bruce went through the same thing. Um, so we we at least got to mention Michael Go, who yeah. is I believe the only actor throughout all four of these movies playing the same character, and was really the only thing connecting these movies together. That's true. Uh, and he plays Alfred, yeah. and up and he, he, I like him even more than Michael Caine, but they play different Alfreds. Sometimes there's Alfreds that are just there, and they're just supposed to be caring and they don't really get in the way and that was kind of him he was yep. just kind of that nice sweet butler whereas michael kane's portrayal was more hey you shouldn't do that no what are you doing more kind of like a father yep figure so um and i mean do you have anything else to add about forever um actually actually i do um i have one guy i want to bring up probably the coolest batman fan on this planet his name is Patrick Le Leahy. You know, you know. Uh, does that sound familiar to you? It sounds really familiar. Yeah. Well, he is the uh, oldest serving U.S. senator. Oh, right. Currently, I think he is the only person, last remaining member of the Senate, to have served prior to President Jimmy Carter. Yep. This guy um, is an avid comic book fan. He yeah. wrote. The um, the forward to the Dark Knight archives in 1992 um, and Batman Death of an Innocent Batman Death of Innocence in 1996, um, but ever since 1995 Batman Forever he has cameoed in um, about let's see six Batman films. Wow. Um, and yeah, he was he was I know he was in the scene um, with in when with. Uh, Joker in in the Nolan trilogy. Yeah, he was we're not intimidated. We're not intimidated yeah. by thugs. Yeah, the he's Joker that guy. looks at him. You remind me of my father. I hated my father and grabs him. Yeah, he uh, he was an un in an uncredited cameo in Batman Forever. He played the territorial governor in an episode of Batman the Animated Series. He played himself in Batman and Robin. Um, oh, wow. He played uh, a Wayne Enterprises board member in both Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises. Mm -hmm. And he will cameo in Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. Oh, wow. I mean, this guy is like helping run our country. And he's, yeah. and this is really cool. All the role, and I'm just going to, you know, this is a good plug for him. All the royalties and fees from his roles are donated to charities. 
primarily the Kellogg Hubbard Library in Vermont, where he read comic books as a child. That's cool. That really is cool. That's giving back to to your community. I mean, what what a great guy. So, yeah. um, so Batman Forever did well enough that uh, Schumacher got brought back. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It did. It did do. It did good business. Yeah, people were. It was a. It was kind of a surprise hit because people weren't really sure. In in making it, they didn't. They didn't know was this really gonna. Um. Be be a big hit, but it ended up making more money than 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 it, the yeah, previous. It, so it's like okay, this is reinvigorated the series. Let's make another one, and they uh, dropped a steaming load of nipple covered <laughs> crap. Um. Yeah, so we're basically at Batman 4 at this point for the live action movies. Batman and Robin. Yep. Which I don't... You introduced Robin in the last one. I don't get the title, but... Um, yeah, because... Because, <laughs> because the character they added was Batgirl. <laughs> and, and they only and they mentioned fucked Robin that Batman up, here. too. That, oh, God, yeah. Um, so anyway, now in this one, Val Kilmer didn't return. I'm not sure. I think, you know, from what I've read, it's scheduling conflicts with the saint. Um, Schumacher still went back to the William Baldwin idea, uh, but the studio decided on George Clooney. Yep. Which you would think right now you'd go George Clooney as Batman. Now, if you, without seeing this movie, you'd think that is an interesting idea. Yep. Uh, well, it didn't work out in 1997. <laughs> um now, I like Clooney, and I think he plays a really good Bruce Wayne because he is Bruce Wayne in a way. He's the the rich bachelor. Yeah. Um, but this movie's corniness level is at an eleven, out at a scale of one to five. <laughs> um. Yeah. So, right now we have more characters introduced. We we get introduced once again. Movie opens up with a fight scene with Mister Freeze. Played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, and I've told you this before. Biggest gripe about this character. I like Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze. There are moments when he is staring at Nora in her in her chamber. And they actually, and this is, they delve into his reasoning as, as why he's stealing shit. Yeah. And then he becomes he, he, sympathetic. Yeah, even more than Penguin in in uh, Batman Returns, Victor Freeze is is, is definitely a, a intended to be a sympathetic villain. Yeah, he's you know he's not a villain that's just doing this for fun. Like he does his stuff for a, a very good reason. Um, and so they have these moments with Schwarzenegger that are really good. But then they turn around and he's making his henchman freeze singing. <laughs> I, I missed her with the, the song from like a year without a Santa Claus. And it's like, why is Mr. Freeze have henchmen in the first place? Like he's <laughs> making him dress up like hockey players. Yeah. <laughs> and he has the, the, you know, I understand why he has to be cold, but he has like the whole building. It's it's cartoony. It's campy. It's cartoony, and it takes the character down so many notches. Where if they went serious with it, at least for the character and the character's reasoning, I think they would have at least made a better movie. Yeah. Um, but they didn't. 
And uh, so beyond Mr. Freeze, you get introduced to uh, Poison Ivy in this movie, played by Uma Thurman. Yep. And if that is not enough, we also I get introduced to Bane, which people at the time didn't, you know, comic book fans didn't really know. They just thought he was just a beefed up henchman on Venom. Yeah. When in actuality in the comics, you know, even though he is kind of just a muscle guy, he, he at least had more character to him. Uh, in this movie, he doesn't talk. And, uh, and, at, and throughout all of it, we find out, um, Batgirl comes in and usually Batgirl in the comics is, uh, Barbara Gordon. She's uh, commissioner Gordon's daughter. And that's kind of the, that's, that's the story behind it is that Jim Gordon's daughter starts fighting crime alongside Batman. Yeah. But in this one, they have, they have Barbara Wilson and she's Alfred's niece. Right. And that's what happens. Like she shows up to the mansion and starts like, you know, Alfred's sick throughout the movie. That's the big thing. And that's also the, the, um, the dueling story with Mr. Freeze is that both of them have somebody that's sick. Um, and they even kind of help, help each other somehow, you know, some way in the end. Um, but yeah, she's kind of like upset. Uh, you shouldn't be a Butler anymore. And she kind of gets angry at Bruce Wayne and, Oh, here's a bat cave. I'm going to put on a suit. <laughs> a suit that has nipples which is of course what is introduced in this movie yeah um uh, yeah that's a lot to get through yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah now um this one there's a just a kind of a a shitty note here is not not only did was it a little weird the the change in identity for Batgirl, but um but a lot of the scenes with her, um, or and a lot of, or a lot of shots of her, um, in the costume and everything ended up getting cut because over the course of filming she gained just a few pounds. But this is serious, um, you know. She was still a teenager too. It's not, it's, this isn't even like a, like a 30 year old who suddenly gains a bunch of weight while working. It's like there's someone who possibly is still actually growing, Yeah. <laughs> but superhero costumes. And these ones are not like, these are, <laughs> these aren't like the modern, um, you know, the ones we've got now that have, it's a lot of, um, very carefully cut fabric and everything and and that can can take a little give you a little bit of breathing room sometimes this was like the the costumes they were using for the whole bat family in this movie was like armor and it's like hard shells and and you know it sometimes probably were hard to breathe in and she gained a few pounds and and they had to make some alterations to the costume to to make it fit her and and so and it and it didn't come across as well in the filming and so a lot of critics started really um I shouldn't say critics but the but people in the press started mocking her for for being too fat to fit into her costume and uh and 
uh, eventually uh, Schumacher during some interviews and press meetings to promote the movie when people would ask about it he was like what so you know why are you why are you hating on this he didn't say hey that i'm sure he didn't use this phrase but you know he's like why are you hating on this girl her what you know like what did she do so wrong eat some pizza Uh (laughs) oh my god and uh and uh he's and he uh went talked to one magazine and said i you know it I thought it was really horrible. I thought it was cruel. She was a teenager who gained a few pounds like anyone does. Uh, I, I would confront female journalists and I'd say with so many young people suffering from anorexia and bulimia, why are you crucifying this girl? Um, so that is good that, that, you know, as much as I don't like the direction he took the Batman movies in, or I, as much as I don't like how far he took him in that direction anyway, um, it's awesome that he he stood up for uh for his cast like that when people started attacking them. Right, right. And I mean they they really pulled her right almost right out of Clueless. You know, Clueless came out 2 years prior, she became kind of this household name and yep. you just sweep her into this blockbuster movie and then all of a sudden, you know, and that, that's that's kind of the reason why I do feel bad for a good amount of celebrities who you know, when you got some celebrities posting nudes all over Instagram and Twitter, I'm sure they're, they know they're going to get criticism, but there's a few out there who get criticism without doing anything wrong. You know, this girl was just in a movie. She was just doing a movie and then you have random people out there talking about your weight and making fun of you. It's sad. Yeah. Um, I, I do just want to say though, as much yeah. I, I just kind of like, I, I said, I didn't like the direction he took it in or how far he went, but I, I do want to acknowledge that what he wanted to do next, he wanted to do a fifth movie and he was really trying to get Warner brothers to let him do one. And his concept was Batman year one, uh, which first of all, that was a really good, uh, no, no, he was, um, that's what they dumped him for. He wanted the the fifth film was uh, Batman Triumphant, and that would have seen. That's what they wanted to be made. He wanted to make Batman Year One. Um, at least he. This is what he has been saying for for years. It it's still. I mean, from what I'm reading, he's still he. Triumphant was the fifth one they were trying to make, and when they scrapped that for year one, he was still trying to to be a part of Batman year one. Mm-hmm. And then they they dumped him for Darren Aron- Aronofsky. Yeah. Um, but during the planning stages for Triumphant, they were still going to bring back Clooney, Chris O'Donnell, and Alicia Silverstone with the idea being um, Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that the Joker would return uh, due to an hallucination with Batman. Um, Harley Quinn being kind of twisted as the Joker's daughter trying to get revenge on Batman. Um, and yeah, so the, the villains would be Scarecrow, Harley Quinn. Uh, and then see Schumacher approached Nicolas Cage for the role of Scarecrow. Mm-hmm. And that's as far as basically they got because then after Batman and Robin not only received negative reviews, but was the 
lowest box office gross. Warner Brothers scrapped everything on that film and decided to move forward with either a live action Batman Beyond film or the adaptation of Batman Year One, which is what then Schumacher was still trying to get himself involved yeah. in. Yeah. And ultimately, that's kind of that. That's it's that it did kind of directly lead to Batman Begins. Just took a few years to make it happen. Right. Um, um, well, before we get to year one, in between Batman. So oh, before we even leave this one, I do just want to say oh. that right when they finished filming, George Clooney said, I think we just killed the franchise. <laughs> as soon as the, like the final cut, he was like, uh, guys, I think we just killed nobody. The I mean, there's jokes <laughs> in that movie where he pulls out a bat credit card, which is now since <laughs> I oh, wait, 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 wait. <sighs> I don't think that's in the movie. I think that was just a commercial they made, like no, a cross-promotional commercial. That That's in the movie. All right. I'll, I'll trust you on that. No, um, that's in the movie when Batman and Robin are, are betting on Poison Ivy. When Poison Ivy first makes her entrance public and she both gets them with the love you know, toxin yeah. and you got to It was during an auction, you know, for a date and they kept going like $50, 100, 500,000. I think Robin goes like, you know, like 5,000 and Batman's like, you don't have the money. Oh yeah. I'll borrow it from you. <laughs> and then Batman says a ridiculous number and Robin's like, where are you going to get that? And he charged like pulls out a <laughs> Batman charge card. <laughs> um, I just <laughs> in, um, Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Al McPherson was in this movie, right? Which one? Al Al McPherson in um, Batman, Batman and, Robin. and Robin. Uh, I'm just gonna I say yes for right now. No, I just I remember I heard. Some, I'll I'll just look this up, but I'll while I'm looking this up, I will tell you uh the the uh, this other funny thing or I don't know if it's yeah it's pretty funny. Fuck it. Um. <laughs> Uh, the, it took a long time to get the, you know, the Batman and Robin and everything, get those costumes on and off. Um, and, uh, <laughs> um, so there, at least one, at least, uh, once George Clooney, uh, basically wet the bat suit. Just, so I just wanted to share that with everybody. Um, I hope. I wonder if it, if he pissed so much in it, it filled up to the nipples. Um, uh, she in this or and my we might as well bring just just uh, Schumacher's reasoning. Yeah. For anyone who doesn't know, just I, I've, my students have never seen it, and I looked up pictures of the bat suit. Um, they have nipple casings on Batman and Robin's suits. It's very fucking weird. And I mean, they also have like their six packs, you know, etched into the suits as well. Yeah. yeah. And Schumacher's reasoning for this, which I think at this point he, he does admit that it was really stupid. But at the time he was like, I pictured the suits as like, as statues 
You know, like, you know, that bat suit is so iconic. It's like a statue. And yeah. on a statue, you get like all those. Greek, yeah, like Greek statues. Greek yeah. statues. But nobody during filming or anything, the producers said, like, take the fucking nipples off. Really? <laughs> but I guess not. That's just, that shit went forward. Yeah. So, all right. You done with Batman around? Yeah, go ahead. Um, so... <clears throat> Kind of right during bat, right after Batman Triumphant got kind of knocked down because they wanted to, you know, revitalize. Um, two producers, Lee Sharpio and Stephen Wise, pitched to the studio uh, a movie called Batman. Uh, the the spelling of it is weird. It looks it's as if it's saying Dark Knight, but it's Dark Knight with the K capitalized and just one word. So Dark Knight is one word. Ugh. Yeah, it's really stupid. Um, their pitch was that Bruce Wayne gave up his fight, crime fighting career. Dick Grayson is attending Gotham university. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Crane uses his position as professor of psychology at Gotham university and as head psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum to conduct his experiments into fear during a vengeful confrontation with his colleague, Dr. Kirk Langstrom, Crane unknowingly initiates Kirk's transformation into the Man-Bat. Citizens of Gotham believe Man-Bat's nightly activities to be Batman's bloodthirsty return. Bruce becomes Batman to clear his name and solve the mystery of the Man-Bat. Um, and then everything with Kirk getting revenge on Crane and Crane exacting, you know, revenge for those responsible for his dismissal of both Arkham and the university. So that was kind of the idea of a uh, little older Batman, older Robin, and then Scarecrow and Man Bat. Mm -hmm. um, but once again, they dismissed that uh, that plan and went still forward with Year One and Batman Beyond. Yeah. Uh, Chris O'Donnell revealed in 2012 that there there was a Robin spinoff planned, but that it kind of got scrapped after Batman and Robin, mm -hmm. obvious reasons. Um, Batman Beyond. Pretty much got to, I think, one script and that was it. They just kind of lost interest yeah. in the property and they started going forward with Batman Year One, yep. which um, for those that have never read the comic book by Frank Miller, you should you should read it. It's an interesting read. Um, but over the years, that got morphed Um into eventually Batman Begins. And it's really ironic because um, I believe Christian Bale had been approached for the role in Batman Year One, and I think he turned it down. Mm -hmm. But then a few years later, you know, once they had Christopher Nolan in the director's chair, I think they re-approached Christian Bale about playing Bruce Wayne, and he, he finally accepted. Yeah. And Batman Year One was made into an animated film, and I, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, DC does incredible animated films, and I've seen some stuff. It, it seems like they're they're pumping more out, like yeah. faster lately. This year they are doing the Killing Joke. Oh, that's that's cool. Finally, and they do have Conroy and Mark Hamill playing the characters. From what I've heard, it is rated R, and they released one picture, and it looks very promising. Cool. I just, I feel like DC puts out some crap too for the animated film. They like, yeah. I, I saw something was on demand. Um, 
through my cable company recently. I think it was like, it was like Justice War or something. Justice League War. I th- yeah, and it was it was basically like Batman put. It was a yet another take of the Justice League where it was. I think it's. I fell asleep honestly, but I think it was Batman kind of pulling together the Justice League, um, and I, some of the stuff was okay, and some of it wasn't. Um, Wonder Woman, the voice acting for it, stuck out to me as like not sounding like Wonder Woman. <laughs> like it was, it was yeah, just like yeah. a very not a powerful sounding voice, um, and they, I I hated their Hal Jordan. They have some really good ones. Any movie based off the Batman animated series is good. Batman Begins: Return of the Joker is mm-hmm. fantastic, and that's some early on stuff. But for the newer ones. I don't know if you've ever seen the Dark Knight Returns. They adapted that into the animated movie, like they did two parts. Yeah. I don't think I, 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 I kind of make it a policy not to, not to pay for stuff on demand, and I think that was only something that I'll just let you borrow that one. That that one's really good, and um, they've done a few. You know, they have done a few that like they. It's almost like a TV show that's continuing in movies. Yep. You know, they have, uh, I think it was Son of Batman, Batman versus Robin. Then they had a third one. And yep. I did, um, actually, I did see the end of the, 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 um, Dark Knight Returns, uh, movie. I, I'm, cause I, I know, yeah, I saw it like it was Bruce Wayne after his own funeral walking into, uh, into a cave or the bat yeah, cave and yeah. with the gang and I recognize the look of the gang from the comic books um it's a well made yeah it's a well made if I remember movie. correctly kind of I think they they made Bruce Wayne look like like Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond a that, little bit that was the one yeah. the Terry McGinnis Batman one yeah I, I like I like that uh that show and if you ever get a chance um under the red hood I think I've seen that with John DiMaggio voicing the Joker. Yep. And I feel like an idiot. I'm glad I didn't say it out loud until I realized it was wrong, but now I am going to say it out loud anyway. I almost just corrected you and was like, you mean Joe DiMaggio? Oh, the baseball player? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know how many times I get those two names. Is it Joe or John? I think yeah. it's John. I'm going to go with John. John DiMaggio seems like somebody I would, uh, I, I would, I would have a good time hanging out with. For a night, you know, just go out. Just do time. Bender. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, just he seems like a like a like a funny, kind of cool dude. But he really does, and his uh, his humor is off the charts. He does yeah. seem like a guy that you'd want to get a beer with. Um, yeah. So drink responsibly. Uh, yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we are keeping the uh, the Dark Knight trilogy. Off on its own. Most people know that is, you know, know that trilogy. And I feel like that itself deserves its yeah. own oh, yeah. we, episode. Yeah. We'll look into that another time, you know, another, another day we'll get into that. But, uh, next week we have a episode devoted to not only looking at the, the movie man of steel, but 
kind of uh, it'll it'll be an episode right before Batman v Superman comes out. So we'll be taking a look at all the information we have thus far of shaping this universe. What does it look like? You know, what are our thoughts going forward, even after Batman v Superman? What do we think is going to happen with these characters? And um, and then the week after that, we'll have a, a spoilerific episode of the show all about uh, the two and a half long Batman v Superman. Oh, two yeah. and a half hour long. So awesome. Uh, my my big thing that I'm looking forward to is I'm I'm there's gonna be a part of my brain in watching Batman v Superman. It's gonna be a part of my brain really dedicated to seeing whether DC did what Marvel and Transformers and all the big all the big dumb action movies. Does DC do the same thing as them in making sure that there's a lot of stuff built in there to play to international audiences that oh Americans. yeah um so I'll, 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 that's that's what's gonna be going on in my head the whole time I'm watching this is uh, China now is a big market and you're gonna see a lot of movies yeah. so China's not only is it a big market but it is um it, it's leading to a lot more um sort of restriction of what people are even willing to put into movies very similar to when when the u.s was um really exploding as a film market and um and and we were sort of repressed about what we wanted in our entertainment and, and even to this day there's a lot of uh international movies that do horrible business in us yeah. like the brothers grimsby just came out and it's a heavily british comedy yeah did well over in europe it did horrible in the us right um i i think iron man 3 had a few extra scenes filmed yep with a a, a well-known chinese and he's and he's act, he's act actor um and transformers yeah oh, in in iron man 3 they <laughs> They actually, yeah, they had whole extra completely disconnected scenes that had well-known um, Chinese actor and actress performing the heart surgery on Tony Stark. Yep. And um, it actually, even though the movie did fairly well, audiences did not like that it was such a clear attempt at pandering to them. I thought it was a scene that there were a few scenes that were only made for the Chinese audience. No, I know. I'm saying that. Oh, that over this, there they were? The, the, these scenes, I, the, the scene I just talked oh, okay. about with those doctors performing the art, that were performing Tony Stark's heart surgery, it wasn't in, there might have been a clip or two, but I, I, I don't think it was that any of it made it into the American version or even the international, like this was a specific Chinese version, but there was other stuff of him like, they were basically like, like kind of patriotic propaganda shit with Iron Man coming down and like shaking hands with the government official and um, cheering on the the might of the of of the Chinese government yeah. and all that shit. Um, Transform, yeah. Was it Transformers Four that did that? Where it had, they, they, had they had a ton of shit. There were there was there was one like really long drawn out like. Uh, shot of of uh, the Stanley Tucci's in that one, I think. Yeah, man. He's like drinking a, a 
box or a bag of milk. And it's like, it's a Chinese brand of like individual serving of milk. And it's just, it's such a lingering shot of, and he's just like really enjoying his fucking milk box. <laughs> and, um, just, it was very weird, but it was just, an, you know, we, we're used to seeing it not, <laughs> it didn't register with American audiences as a product shot. It just was just a weird moment, but only because it wasn't a recognizable American brand. You know, if it was a Coca-Cola in his hand, people would be like, oh my God, I can't believe they're this blatant about this product. Yeah, God shot. forbid the guy picks up a Coca-Cola because in his world, brands don't exist. Yeah. Um, there was, there was some other stuff. There was, I wonder if people flip out over fake propaganda. Like if let's say in a movie, someone picks up like a, a, a soda flavor that was created for that movie. If someone would get pissed, like <laughs> or it's like a uh, cola twist and like, Oh, great. Just for promoting cola twist guys. Like, <laughs> well, so yeah, I mean, some people do get upset, but only, if they uh, think it's a real... The only time that uh, product placement has ever pissed me off was in Thor, the first Thor movie. Mm-hmm. For some reason, Dr. Pepper was like the big promotion for Thor. And in the movie, when he's fighting the Devastator in that small town, there's a Dr. Pepper machine yeah. in the background. And I was just like... Bullshit! I've never seen a Dr Pepper machine. I I just I call bullshit that there's one in that small town. <laughs> that was my biggest that, like out of everything I've ever seen. That was the one that stuck with me all these years. <laughs> to this day, I've never seen a Dr Pepper machine. So yeah. Um. Oh oh oh! I just thought of another one from that Transformers movie we were just talking about. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg. Um, he, there's, there's a Did scene where they like Wahlbergers in that movie. <laughs> no, no, no. But there, there's a scene where they hack a drone and, and like, and put in it, they use it to like go to an ATM, like with a hacked drone. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That is a Chinese bank. Like the, the ATM card is, um, is the China construction bank of Beijing. Really? Yeah. Um, and then his daughter and they, you know how there's the daughter and her boyfriend in that movie. Do you remember that at all? Yeah. Um, that guy who, it was so unrealistic on how much Mark Wahlberg just sat there and took it that this guy was banging his daughter. Yeah. The, the, what he, he's, he's drinking stuff in their, um, uh, well, there's several scenes where he's drinking something out of a can and you just assume he's drinking beer or something. It's, it's, um, it's the Chinese, it's, it's Red Bull, but it's the Chinese can, which is shorter and rounder. Like it's, uh, um, obviously. Does it got Chinese lettering on it? Yeah. It's a, it's a gold can with, um. Do you have a picture of it? On your phone? Let's see if I can pull one up here. Because I that doesn't I, I feel like if I saw this guy just drinking Oh, see, but the way that they have the lighting in his hands, you can you barely can, Yeah, you can't tell what it is. But if but if you are in China, you that that is Maybe they light up the scene so that you can see what is what's in his hand. 
Yeah. That's so, crazy. Yeah. And, and um, <coughs> Michael Bay has actually launched a new company funded um, partly by a Chinese run toy group, the toy and cartoon uh, company. Um, specifically the, the, the company that Michael Bay just launched in, in partnership with this Chinese toy and cartoon company, um, the specific purpose of the company is to develop movies based around foreign brands. So there's a lot, a lot of this happening and, um, yeah, that's American, American, the big budget American movies more and more over the past few years. And this trend is going to continue because we are a shrinking movie market right now. But, but our film industry is still, yeah, it still makes movies that people all over the world want to see. It's just going to be more and more stuff that is, um, is just specifically for the international market. If it makes sense, like, that scene you were just showing me with that guy drinking Chinese Red Bull. Yeah. Now. It doesn't make sense because he's in the Midwest of America and. Now, if they no had, like, yeah. got shelter within an Asian grocery. <laughs> right. Then okay. Like, even if you were trying, like, God, we got to get this product placement in here. What do yeah. we do? Oh, yeah. they're hiding out in an Asian grocery. Yeah. That at least still would have been. I would have accepted that. Right. But if the guy's just like in the middle of the Midwest and it's just like, oh, I'm the big 7-Eleven. Yeah. Oh, look at this can right here. Yeah. That's just. And yeah, on Michael, the other hand, though, if you aren't familiar with the product they're using or you don't recognize that it's a, you know, an international packaging of a product, you already know. It, it kind of doesn't me. matter. Be, yeah. Like it's, it's not like he turned to the camera and was like, this Chinese packaged Red Bull is the best drink I've ever had. Like I'm Wayne's, glad I like ordered Wayne's it over World. eBay. Yeah. I will not bow down to any sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> Look at this Red Bull. Um, so, you know, I, it's being done in very subtle ways that for the most part we don't notice. And honestly, I don't I'm even okay think any, any product placement. I mean, yes, there is some. I brought up the Thor thing. That was just, I, I, I I'm very serious. I've never seen a Dr. Pepper machine, but I don't think any product replacement has ever pissed me off. Yeah. And I, I think people just need to accept that, hey, look, in some worlds, they have the same shit we do yeah. here. Product, it's a product. placement product placement isn't just about making money. Sometimes it's they don't make money at all. They just they, they kind of ask permission, just like it used to be in the in you know way back when. It wasn't all about actually making more money for the people making the movie. It about, was, it was um, it it's just it's part of you know it's it's part of making your movie more realistic. It it I don't know about you, but it takes me out of a movie more than if it's a blatant product placement. Yeah, if if it if that take. All I care about is that it doesn't take me out of the movie. All right. And sometimes their fake brands take you out of the movie way more than than just noticing like that's an actual Starbucks cup in that guy's hand. I'd rather see that than than one that has our old Beanholes logo that looked way too much like the Starbucks <laughs> thing. And like, oh, that's 
Oh, yeah, Bean Holes brand coffee. Like, oh, what a stupid name. Or <laughs> um, Transformers is a good example where do you expect the people to create their own cars just for the Transformers? Like, right. does it upset you that they use a Chevrolet for Bumblebee? Right. And by the way, now these car companies are lining up for their cars to appear in these movies. Yeah. Um, and yeah, all not and not yeah, not just American uh, brands or brands that are familiar in America. Like actually, there's more going to be more and more cars that we've never seen or heard of before. And sometimes uh, product placement does work. You know, when I was maybe ten years ago, I saw thirteen going on thirty once on Stars when we had it at my house. Oh, I thought you were saying you specifically went to see that movie in theaters. No, no, no. I, <laughs> when we had Stars, like in two thousand. To 2005 I would just you know, Watch all the movies in demand that was one of the movies And they had a candy in it that I Never knew existed Razzles Oh yep they had a part of the movie That was kind of like a semi plot point Of the characters and I was in a store one day and I was like I saw a pack of Razzles I was like wait a minute Those are real and I bought them And now <laughs> I know and now I associate Those candies not only with that movie Vice versa so I just want to just want to restate this in a way that's more clear to everyone. Of all the product placements that actually worked to make you buy something, it was one that was in 13 going on 30. Yeah, and it wasn't that it made me want to buy it because it was in the movie. It made me want to buy it because I never knew it existed. Right, right. It was kind of like Reese's Pieces. Reese's Pieces. Oh, God. I want to punch you in the face for saying pieces. Uh, I... I Fix myself. It's a habit. I got to stop where product was made for the movie <laughs> and then became such a huge hit in stores. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm doubt. I'm even though I think I'm might, I might have even been somebody that either told you that in the first place or reinforced it. I'm really have, I'm starting to have my doubts about that particular story. What but, that story? Yeah, that Reese's Pieces was invented for. For E.T. Oh, well, it was invented for Steven Spielberg. Hold on. Let's check Snopes. If this wasn't, I, I would be completely upset. Because that is a fantastic story. Uh, let's see. Now, I, what I what I can guarantee you is that the 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 basis for the story is still true, that that he wanted to use M&Ms and they said no. And so he looked elsewhere. Um, um, all right, here we go. Um, Spielberg, all right. Mars Incorporated found E.T. so ugly that they refused to allow M&Ms to be used in the film, believing the creature would frighten children. This allowed the Hershey Company the opportunity to market Reese's Pieces. So an opportunity to market it. Ah, it was the then real, the then relatively new product became very popular with the 1982 yeah. release of ET, the extraterrestrial, the extraterrestrial. So, yeah. so I would say maybe wow, a lot of people, if not most people, that saw ET probably had that same 13 going on 30 razzles experience when yeah, 1978 they, they yeah. were introduced, so they were around for a few years. Yeah, a few years before being featured in that movie, but uh, but weren't necessarily. I'm gonna keep super that story popular. though. That Steven Spielberg brought this up to. Well, him. I mean, it. I I would be willing to bet that Reese's Pieces 
wouldn't even exist anymore if not for the huge boost they got from E.T. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I was saying, I bet that most people saw that movie and that was their first time being exposed to the candy. Most people. Now, if only someone would have featured Butterfinger BBs in a movie, <laughs> we would have kept that candy around. Yeah. Maybe if Batman and Robin would have. Since we've been way off on a tangent anyway, although you're trying to bring it back to Batman. Um, no, no, it was just. <laughs> uh, Why, what's in your mind? I forget. I honestly fucking forget. Yay. Batman. But tangent. no, I am curious. Um, I am curious whether Skittles existed yet, and did they try to get some Skittles? Maybe, maybe Spielberg was going after more of the chocolate. Like he <laughs> thought that uh, the fruit would have not been good for the aliens. Yeah. Skittles riddles. That's all that's coming up. Cool. All right. Eric and Nate. That would be fun. Should we just? No, you you got to say the catchphrase. All right. Well, yeah, I'm just getting tired, so let's if, end the shit. If you didn't, if you just walked out, uh, like I would just keep this recording going until you eventually came in and said, <laughs> "It's a week long podcast." Um. So anyway, we're uh. Yeah, that was that. Eric, you already said a bunch of shit about what's coming up next week and all that, so I'm not even gonna bother recapping. But um, thanks for listening. We uh we will be ow we will be back next week and it'll be even better than this week. Till then, keep on being it. Harry Candy.